This is a Balanced Brain Podcast with your hosts, Melanie Nicholson and Sean Clift. Welcome back to the Balanced Brain Podcast. My name's Sean Clift. I'm joined once again by my very good friend and co-host, Melanie Nicholson. Melanie, how are you? I'm good, thanks, Sean. How are you going? Really good. Hey, a fun one tonight. Yes, it's going to be great. A fun episode all around music. So I have got a really great friend of mine who's actually a bandmate. I'm really lucky enough to be uh, a drummer in Emma's band. So Emma White, welcome to the show. It's so good to have you here. How's things going? Yeah, really good. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the podcast. It's really nice to be invited. So um, yeah, I'm going really well today. Excellent. Yeah. Hey, Em, tell us about yourself. I know everything. Mel's never met you before. So yep. Um, give us a rundown, you know, yeah. let us know who you are. Tell us about June Lowe. Yeah. Well, June Lowe's been around mm-hmm. since about 2014. That's the name of the band that mm-hmm. um, I play and that you play in. And, um, yeah, we we play all kinds of different music and it's um, started off as more of like a solo project and then a duo and then just kind of expanded over time and so that's a big part of my life you know um playing in the band and playing music and yeah how long has it been like i've been drumming with you for well, it must be nearly six years now yeah it's that's unreal been. isn't it yeah it has been a while so it's been it's yeah. been a while since we've had that format together and you're a psychologist and i'm a psychologist so yes that's what I do for my day job. And um, I, yeah, I have been doing that for how long? Probably since, well, I've been, I've been studying psychology for a long time, but actually practicing since 2013. So, yeah. So, Emma, tell us your first memory of when music touched your heart and you knew that was going to be your journey. Yeah. Mm, well, I think um, I have memories of, listening to old cassette tapes of um like kylie minogue and <laughs> yes abdul and madonna madonna was a big one yeah. for me yeah <laughs> i know that whole immaculate collection yeah was, yeah like, my first tape was 1985 smash hits oh. <laughs> with angry anderson oh, yeah. mel and kim i remember that one yeah lovely yeah and back in the day it was all about cassette tapes yes in the 80s so yeah really quite moved by that um that sort of music back then and then um i had sort of people in my family who were pretty interested in music too so that um inspired me too but yeah it's definitely those cassette tapes yeah do you remember the first music you bought on your own Oh, that's a big question. Um, it probably was Madonna. I, I yeah. think it was like yeah. that Immaculate Collection. Yeah. That was definitely one that I bought. I bought Kylie Minogue as well. Couldn't tell you the exact name. Maybe yeah. it had the song Holiday on it. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, it was just all about those sort of pop artists that like to, you know, write a song that was quite hooky and they liked to dance back then in the 80s. And yeah. they did those like group dances, like Janet Jackson was pretty good at that too. Like had the had the full like, yeah, array of dances and doing the same moves at the same time. And I really loved all of that. 
Mel, yeah. do you remember the first record you bought with your own money? Uh, yes, it, it was actually U2. It was in the, one of those really oh. earlier um, Sunday cool. Buddies. When, yeah, so I was into that. But I was also into Madonna and Mel and Kim and Wham and everything. I really loved it. And my parents were massively into music. And my dad um, listened to The Who and yeah. um, the Rolling Stones, obviously, but also yeah. some really... Just we and he had records and he had a record player, which mum sold when they divorced and he nearly cried in all the records, but oh. didn't really didn't really understand the value of them. But she loved music too. But yeah, no, um, music has I have I don't think I've spent a day, many days in my life without my headphones on listening to music. So yeah, it's um it's yeah, I can't remember exactly what mine was, but I, it was either Brothers in Arms. Dice. Oh, yeah, Dice Straits, yeah. Or it was um, George Harrison's first solo record. With that, oh, you know, I got my mind set on you. I yeah. love Oh, I love that. It was the first tape. <laughs> I love George Harrison. On my own. Yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, so what, when did you start playing? Like when did you start learning an instrument and... Yeah, I would have been, well, I, I played clarinet. That was the first instrument that I took up, but that was in grade eight. Oh, no, grade five, sorry. Um, so it would have been about 10 or something. But I wasn't totally in love with the instrument. I, I started playing guitar when I was about 14. I just picked up my dad's guitar because he had like a maiden guitar lying around. And, um, yeah, that's when I really started to really fall in love with like playing a musical instrument and just sort of teaching myself. So you taught yourself? Yeah. Yeah. yeah totally yeah. taught. For, for better or worse, I'm not really quite sure. But oh, better. Yeah. I love your guitar. Yeah. Well, it, it became an experiment, you know, in a way. I think when you don't have that sort of structure around this is what you should be doing, it is quite liberating, I think, to, yeah. to be able to just kind of take it in whatever direction you want to take. And, like, I sort of started off, like, learning covers and tab and things like that off the internet of, like, the songs that I liked at the time um, and then just started experimenting with a little bit of, like, alternative tunings and, um, yeah, just sort of doing whatever, yeah, I felt like playing really, which was great and probably sounded quite strange to some people at different times but that's all part of the journey really yeah <laughs> yeah and who did you first play to like was that you know like even if it was in front of your family and that how was that like because I think a lot of people think that's the most nerve-wracking thing about yeah. performance right like playing yeah. and singing in front of I think I started, my first performance was actually at school. Like I never really played in front of my family. I was always just kind of hiding away in my bedroom, <laughs> trying to be like inconspicuous but not, yeah, not doing a very good job of that because um, I play quite, I'd strum quite loudly. Um, but, yeah, my first performance was actually at school, um, playing along to a school musical and then at the valedict Year 12 Valedictory, I got out. I played um, Passenger by Powderfield. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Wow. Which was, um, yeah, it was, like, pretty cool, actually, because I don't think anyone really knew that I could play guitar. But yeah. I was like, oh, no, I'll do that. So, and writing music for, for uh, how long have you been writing music now? When, when did you write your first song? Do you remember or do you remember what it was? Yeah, it would have been probably when I was about 15 or 16 I started writing my own songs, yeah. And do you I, remember it? 
I can't, well, yeah, it's funny. I don't remember the exact first song because I think I threw away a lot of songs initially. I just, I didn't hold on to those ones. But I remember I had a friend who inspired me to start writing my own songs, um, Hugh McGinley, actually, and he's a musician in Melbourne who plays still to this day. And um, he just said, oh, have you ever thought about, like, writing your own songs? And he just put the idea into my head because I hadn't really considered that before. Yeah. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll do that. Like, and then so, I just gave it a go. And, yeah. and so what happened? How, what, what came first? Did you come up with a lyric idea or chords or how did uh, that happen? Do you remember? Probably would have been the lyrics first for me because I was writing poetry before then. So, yeah, like, and I used to write, like, in, in my journal and stuff as a kid. So... Words were always pretty important to me. Okay. And did you write an angsty first song or did you write about a crush? Oh, I think it would have been an angsty song if I know what I was like. Most of your songs. Yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was probably about some sort of, like, issue I was having with a friend at the time or, like, yeah, with my parents or something like that, I'd say, yeah. (laughs) When I was... 15 I actually started guitar lessons and it seems weird now but it was at a random church hall that um mum used to have to drop me off with this guy in his 50s just in the middle of nowhere anyway I was just not progressing after 12 months I really just was not progressing and then I, I mum went to drop me off one night and he wasn't there and I never heard from him again so oh. I think he'd buy so yes my music career ended other than singing choirs uh my my instrument ability is has failed but yes I used to write um when I was 15 I my friend and I wrote a Mills and Boons novel even though neither of us even had a first kiss so it was like yeah we had no that's why I was asking what you wrote because I think when you're 15 you think that you know everything right like you're 15 you're like yeah, mature, but yeah, yeah, you know, it's music. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. When I was sort of in my teens, starting to play music, and you know, you get into your early twenties, you'd look at anyone who was older than sort of twenty-five or thirty. Think, what are they doing? Still playing <laughs> yeah. music, and now I'm I'm closer to fifty than I am forty, and I'm. Mm more active musician than ever and mm. it's funny isn't it because you just like yeah. the mu- type of musician that I was at 15 compared to what I am at 47 is just mm. radically different I'm just so much better than what I was back then but I never never thought that anyone my age would be any good <laughs> it's weird yeah it is like I think yeah I think it's that thing that you're saying before Mel about like when you're that young you sort of think that you know it all and you think you know what's like best and and then you taste changes over time like and you start to really enjoy things that you never thought you would and like I really like soul music now yeah. back then I probably yeah. didn't have yeah. you know, so, yeah. so Emma when did you find your voice you know how they say like when you when you actually yeah you know really found because I guess um, you know when I when I was practicing choir, there's a tendency for people to over sing or put too much into the voice, and it's yeah, just coming to what your natural voice range is and yeah, at that. It's a good question. I still, in some ways, I still think I actually am finding my voice. Like I, I have voices that I use depending on what sort of music I'm playing. Like if it's more kind of folky and um, acoustic, it'll be 
a lot softer usually or just different kind of intonation and phrasing but then if if i'm playing in the band or if we're doing kind of more rock based songs it's it's going to be a lot more forceful and i'm going to have to like use like more of a sort of diaphragm i suppose when i'm singing to really kind of get get the voice out there and um yeah and, and probably use a little bit more range with that too to like hit some of those higher notes and yeah so it just it does vary a bit and it like I feel quite comfortable saying that now because like yeah I mean I think you do sort of find your voice or your range but there are different sorts of voices you can use and like I look at an artist like someone like Aldous Harding and she's just got so many different voices. She's from um, New Zealand, for yeah. anyone who doesn't know, and she's incredible. And she just sings in these different voices all the time, and it's really cool because it's like, okay, well, sometimes, yeah, our voice does sound different at different times, and that's okay. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What was your first gig that you played at, like your first proper gig, and, and how were you feeling? Oh, I was just beside myself with nerves like just didn't know that you could ever be that um nervous but uh it was at the orient the old orient hotel in Brisbane and um I think it's called something else now isn't it yeah Johnny Ringo's Johnny Johnny Ringo's oh yeah with that spot we did that launch there (laughs) yeah Yeah. it's been like four million different things that pub yeah it's a bit of an icon in the 90s Mm. for, for big Brisbane bands have come out of there yeah, right. Yeah, Powderfinger did their first shows there. Oh, cool. Well, they were very popular there. It was a really good venue in the 90s. Oh, there you go. Yeah, it would have been like early noughties that I played it. Um, so maybe 2000, 2001. I just sort of, you know, was opening for a couple of other acts that were playing that night. Um, yeah, it was good fun. Like, But I, it took me a long time to get over that kind of crippling anxiety before you play. Now I just feel a bit nervous before I play. Like, I think that's a good thing to be yeah. a bit nervous. Yeah, but, it is. But, yeah, like in the early days, it's just like sweating bullets, really <laughs> just like. Did you have a few drinks before you, or you you weren't that sort of single Did, to calm think, the nerves? <laughs> I might have, yeah. I probably did have a beer or something beforehand to, to calm myself. But, yeah, I'm not sure that it really took much of the edge off. <laughs> We're a very professional outfit now, aren't we, Emma? That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and when you're really nervous, do you do you worry about forgetting words? I always wonder, like, yeah, like when. Yeah, if it's a newish song, especially, um, you always kind of second guess yourself a bit. And I think I've just yeah told myself, well, if I get the lyrics, if I forget the lyrics, I'll just kind of make something up because. Chances are probably no one, no one's going to know anyway because I mostly play original songs. Um, so yeah, maybe maybe the audience would be forgiving, you know. Like I try and think about if, if if the shoe was on the other foot and I was sitting in the audience, I'd probably be pretty forgiving about that. But yeah, you do you do worry about that sort of thing for sure. Yeah. So Emma, you and I have been friends for a long time and, and bandmates for a long time. But even as your drummer, I. I Whenever we're sort of playing in the rehearsal room, it's, it's kind of hard sometimes to understand the lyrics. But then when I listen to the recordings, I'm always blown away by your songwriting. And so even as your drummer, I always well, I think, I've got to ask Emma about that. And I'm always sort of fascinated sometimes. We might do a song that sounds really, really upbeat and has kind of nice rollicking tempo. 
But then there's this sort of darkness behind the lyrics. Mm. How, 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 what's that process like for you? Like, is it when you're writing those songs, what happens emotionally? What happens with, um, you know, that process of getting those thoughts out of your head and down on paper? Mm. Mm. It's a good question. I think, like, it's usually like a very strong drive or force within me that that gets me over the line to writing um lyrics like I have to be in a certain kind of a headspace and usually like there's a whole bunch of emotions that I'm sitting with it's like a build-up and then when the when the dam's full it's like okay I've, got, I've just got to sit down and like write some lyrics and just like so, so it, there'll be a few things happening a couple of songs on the go or might just be one that flows out yeah, it could be a couple on the go. I've definitely experienced that before. Lately, it's usually just like I'll focus on one at a time. Um, but yeah, like I like I will just kind. Of, it, it sort of just sort of flows out of me, and that's like the best kind of songwriting. I think when you really just need to actually express something, like it's actually a need, and you and you kind of and I sit down and I sort of just like it happened the other night where I wrote, I wrote a bunch of lyrics and I don't get too caught up in it being perfect or anything like that. I just kind of write and then I go back and I think, well, I can always edit it later um, in terms of the, the words and the phrasing and, you know, play around with it a bit. But I think the important thing is to capture the essence of it and whatever's going on and, um, yeah, and then, I, and then I think about the actual um the music of it a bit later usually like sometimes there's been the odd occasion where i have written the the music first but usually for me it, the, it's the lyrics well there's one yeah. song in particular that, I, that of yours that i love the the song the letter and yeah, i don't know i don't know if you remember but we actually drove down to tamworth remember we went down ah, to tamworth yeah and we yeah. chatted this the whole way down and then so like i sort of heard you tell me some stories about, you know, your upbringing and childhood and and then when I heard that song for the first time lyrically, it really blew me away because yeah. it just reminded me of that trip. Yeah, right. And, um, yeah. you know, like I, I often think how is it a difficult thing to get those emotions out or is it therapeutic? Well, it's both really, yeah. Like I think it is like... Sometimes you, you don't really realise, well, I don't really realise that I'm kind of holding on to a lot of stuff and then song, songwriting is a way for me to release that, that energy and actually make meaning of it and put words to it and it kind of makes it a bit more real, I think, when you kind of like externalise it in some sort of a way. And so that song was like really helpful for me to like express some of those emotions like around you know betrayal which is yeah uh, that that's kind of the theme of that song and um just sort of feeling like I wanted to put a narrative to what I'd experienced in that particular instance yeah so yeah it was yeah that song was like a big one for me like it, it and it's a real storytelling type song where there's there is a narrative to it and it kind of yeah um plays around with this idea of you know like um having a history and then you know certain people in your life you know maybe they knew the history maybe they didn't and they they you know they, they sort of something to reflect on you know about 
okay, well, this person's like carrying this sort of emotional wound and, you know, like, and then history sort of repeating itself in a way and it being like a really hard, hard pill to swallow sometimes when we go through that pain. And, um, and I guess songwriting is like a way of being, being witnessed in, in the same way that maybe you might be like witnessed if you go and speak to a counsellor or a therapist or a coach or whatever, you know, someone actually listening and people reflecting on that maybe. And yeah, so I think like, it, yeah, in that sense, it is it's difficult for sure, like to sit with those emotions, but it's also really therapeutic at the same time. So, yeah. So Emma, do you find it now, anyone who writes and creates and that, do you find it easier to write when you're in that, like a, a period of time when there is sadness coming up and do you find, what I probably mean is, do you find it harder to write when you're happy, when there's nothing going on, or do you write from memory? Like a memory of something comes up and you start writing and then the emotions come with it. But if you're in a really content part of your life, is it harder to write from that space? I think so, yeah, for me, because traditionally, like I have tended to write when I've been like trying to process difficult emotions um, or experiences. Um, but having said that, you know, like I definitely have written some happy songs and um, happier songs and themes of, you know, you know, love songs and things like that. Um, yeah, but I think that it is like it is probably harder because you, you sort of just want to go out and live your life and have a good time and it's not as like a reflective experience. But I think when you're trying to like sit with, wrestle with like difficult, challenging emotions, that's the time when I want to sit down and write. So it's just usually how it works for me. Um, or like if there's something going on in the world, you know, that's really, really hard, like, you know, certain, like there's a song that we're about to release, like that's, you know, about the system, you know, systems and things like that. And, um, yeah, just kind of like trying to make sense of, of um, certain things in, in um, that are happening in the world. So, yeah, like it's... But then, you know, certain memories too, like um, uh, like one day I sat down and wrote a song about a really interesting man that I met um, called Charles Heffernan. <laughs> so, um, and that was just purely historical. So, yeah, I have done that as well. Um, yeah. And, um, and that was really cool to, like, capture the essence of that guy because he was such a character, like, he was just really stood out, like, <laughs> so, um, like a real kind of like hippie and, um, yeah, like probably the first like bona fide vegetarian I'd met, you know, because up until that point I'd probably led a fairly sheltered life. <laughs> yeah. And Emma, I, what really interests me, like the last concert I went to was a Bliss and Esso concert and there were young people there who, like I think I'm pretty good at knowing the words to songs, but there were just some young people that absolutely knew every word to every song that was spoken. But then you meet people who love music but never listen to lyrics. That's me. Um, yeah. I very rarely do it. Look, I have, the, the the older I've got, and I've written some songs myself, and when, when, when I went through that process is when I started to take an interest lyrically. But I'm much more of a musical. Yeah. The music yeah. for me what really drives me. I can actually yeah. feel the emotion in the music yeah. and the lyrical content can almost mean nothing to me. Yeah. It'll, it'll, yeah. it'll evoke that kind of emotion. So that, so I've become more interested in lyrics the older I've got. 
Yeah. Sorry, Mel, keep going. Yeah, um, Emma, I was talking to Sean about this early today because I love um, rap and R&B, but then I started like and like Kendrick Lamar and that type of thing, and then I started downloading the lyrics and I'm like, what the hell? You know, like, yeah, you when you don't, because often you can't, sometimes you can't always hear the lyrics really clearly or what, you know, how they're connecting together. But um, it's really interesting when you go and read the lyrics of the song and it's absolutely not what you thought it was about. So everyone, I guess, interprets songs differently in music and what they're about. But, yeah, sometimes when you actually go and read the lyrics of the song, it's like, oh, wow, there's a lot of shit in here that not really, you know, that I've been singing along with that's, you know, yeah, it's, and it's hard because rap can be really, yeah, some, can be some really interesting stuff in there, right? But it's but you love the beat and you love the music, like you were saying, Sean, how you just love yeah. the, the sound of it. So, yeah, it's really interesting, that conflict uh, so when you come across it. As a, as a songwriter, mm. if someone, do you want someone to really interpret your lyrics the way you, you want or or do you think, someone's going to listen to your song and maybe interpret it in a different way. Yeah. Well, you know, I think it's okay for everyone to interpret it in the way that they is meaningful for them because I think you've got once you kind of write the song and and release it into the world in whatever way, um, it's not really yours anymore. Like it's mm. for, the, for the person listening to it. So, yeah, and I've like definitely had the same experience where I've like gone back and looked at lyrics and go, oh, wow. Okay, I really like the song and I love the um, <clears throat> melody of it or the structure or whatever, but the lyrics are like, oh, okay, that's pretty different to what I thought. And, um, but, yeah, like I think, you know, it, it's okay for people to, you know, like aspects of a song and not focus on certain things as well because I've definitely done that too. Like I, you know, like this band, like Block Party, love Block Party. Yeah, yeah, we love Block Party don't really know their lyrics, but just love yeah. the, yeah. you know. Yes. So, yeah, I've, I've got a pretty wide palette. But, um, yeah, like I think that it's, I, I just think you, like as a songwriter, you just don't have any control over. And there might be a meaning that someone makes out of your song that hasn't even occurred to you yes. yet. Yes, that's what I was sort of yeah. alluding Yeah, like I think a lot of it's like kind of unconscious in a way. It's just like that's the way I prefer to write. It's just a sort of stream of consciousness. Don't worry too much about it. Just get it out sort of thing. Yeah. 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 Because, like, I, I've probably experienced that myself, or I've, like, sometimes music for me will take me to a certain time or place or event. Mm. Mm. And, you know, like, it can be, like, like, for example, if I listen to a band like the Black Crows, it takes me to a time where I just left mm. school, I was at college, um, you know, the people that I was hanging out with evokes those kind of memories, which is, can be nostalgic. It can, you know, bring back really sort of, you know, strong emotions. So, like, yeah. it's, it doesn't even really matter what the song is. It's, it makes me feel a certain way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know what yeah. I mean? Exactly. And then there'll be, you know, if I listen to a band like Van Halen, well, that brings me back to high school and yeah. my high school band and, yeah. you know, just and what, what, what I was doing then and, and yeah. what was happening in the life at that period of time. It's amazing what those... You know, like it's it can almost allow you to time travel in a way. It does, yeah. That's a really good way of putting it. Yeah, I have the same feeling. Like I think bands like you know Nirvana and yeah. Smashing Pumpkins, you know, like it just takes me back to high school. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. I had um, quite an extraordinary experience where, like, I had uh, most listeners would know a very serious brain injury, and I was in a coma, and then I was airlifted up to the brain injury unit that time, the Princess Alexandra in Brisbane. And I was still like learning to walk and talk again and speak. I didn't really, I, I could, I barely knew my mum's name. You know, people were coming in and out, and I must have been in there a couple of weeks in the unit. And I had a friend come from work, and he'd made me a CD of songs and bought a CD player in, and like I still had not full conscious. I was conscious, but um, just really was trying to ground myself in reality. And as soon as he put the headphones on me, I didn't know the songs, but it brought me to life, like just the sound. And yeah, it was it was so incredible. I still remember it. And I just had tears streaming down my face because even though I didn't know the music, it was, and it was R&B, like he'd sort of chosen what I, I normally like. It was, it, it's something in me came to life again. And it wasn't the people around me, it wasn't that, it was just this, this music and this sound. And I was obsessed with playing that CD over and over again for a couple of years because it just brought me, had brought me back. So, yeah, even though I didn't have that functioning memory at that time, it was just the sound and, and the, the songs that were, well, I'm here, I'm alive. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, that was, um, and, and music has so much meaning to me before that happened. So, you know, like that's that's what it does. You're, you're a very, you, you love lyrics, Mel. Yeah, but I didn't um, because, well, I really started writing, like I've always written, but it wasn't until I started writing my memoir that I actually started, that's when I first started in 2014, I really started paying attention to lyrics in songs and it was probably more about triggering memories in my memoir. So, you know, that was when I really became aware of lyrics. And I was also really conscious around how music was affecting me emotionally. So there are certain songs uh, like Adele, for you know, I, I don't mind some of her songs, but a couple of her songs really would make me very feel melancholy and to the point where I'm like, oh, I can't even listen to that. Or when a song had such a strong attachment to a sad memory, like I, I yeah, I, I really attach a lot of emotion to songs. But when I started reading lyrics, it did take some of that out of it and some of that real emotional feeling of it. And it actually inspired some of my writing, you know, like just you know, the lyrics and the memories. But then there were just, when I was reading some lyrics, I'm like, oh, my God, that's not what I thought they were. <laughs> you know, like when you've been singing lyrics. <laughs> well, that's not even work. So, yeah, I, I just, I've always found music to be really powerful um, and, yeah, consuming in that different way and reading it now. Um, but I do generally like to listen to a new song without knowing the lyrics, like not reading the lyrics. It's yeah. just, um, yeah, so, yeah, mm. it's been. So I've got a question for all, mm. for all of us because, you know, I'm a musician and a music lover. Emma's a musician and a music lover. Mel, you're a massive music fan. You remember that movie, um, Almost Famous? Oh, when yeah, he yeah. finally gets asked the question in the end, he goes, so, so what does music mean to you? And he oh. says, well, to start with, everything. <laughs> yeah. So I'm yeah. going to ask, I'll ask each of you. So, so Emma, what does music mean to you? Oh, that's, that's a big question. Um, like, I just think it it allows us to tap into, yeah, everything, like, 
that we hold dear, like um, emotions, memories, experiences. Like it's like a portal, you know, in a way. So I guess it it's it's really hard to imagine life without it, you know. And I've often reflected, oh my gosh, if I lost my hearing, yes. that would be very sad. I oh, know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I do want to say everything that that's been said. So, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I do feel like it. It has a huge place in my life. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Mel. What about you? Well, for me, it's connection because it's a universal love. Like, as a it doesn't matter what type of music you consume, um, you know, it, it's something that connects us as a as a humanity because, yeah, it's pretty rare that I've met someone who doesn't like music. Um, so there is there is that sense of that oneness, um, that shared love through story, it is storytelling, and yeah. through beat and vibration. Like I think that's really, yeah. Yeah, so it would be a very sad world without music. And even hearing impaired, they listen through vibration. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's, you know, and I, I would be interested to know how that, that feels mm, you know, that, yeah. to experience music that way. Yeah. yeah like connection is a big part for me as well. I mean, some of the, some of the, um, you know, best people in my life come through music, mm. you know, like you guys that I play in Emma's band June Low with, we become so tight over the last six years. And like, what well, I find that, for music for me, especially as a drummer, um, you know, like, like, like it's kind of a meditative process for me. Like once I know the song, like how, what, the, what the arrangement of the song is, I really don't think about what my arms and legs are doing. Yeah. That's as long as I kind of go, okay, Emma's going to go into this bridge here and then there's going to be a pre-chorus and a chorus. Like for me, once I'm in that yeah. rehearsal, particularly in the rehearsal room, mm. Because I don't even really think about what I'm physically doing. I just kind of play. Yeah. And you kind of enter this like sort that. of zone. It's kind of meditative where you, you you kind of, you really are connected to the yeah. other three guys in the room. Yeah. That's so and, um, you know, so there's that kind of connection, which is pretty, mm. um, it, it really is magical. It is. It is. Especially totally. when we're doing our own music. And yes. Emma's, Emma's such a great songwriter bringing us constantly awesome songs to work with. And then, you know, the other two guys in that band who were such amazing players, it's, I pinch myself that I'm in that band at times. Yeah, um, incredible. You know, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing experience when you're creating something and you enter that state that's it's subconscious. Mm. You're not mm. really thinking about, I'm not really thinking about what my arms and legs are doing or what technique I'm going to play or what symbol I'm going to hit or what drum roll I'm going to do. It just kind of comes out. Mm. And so there's that kind of, um, you, you, I, whenever I'm particularly in the rehearsal room, you kind of just really do forget about all the shit that's going on. It, it yeah. really is a big escape yeah. in the most healthiest of ways. It's a real mindful activity, isn't it? Totally it totally is. Yeah, yeah. Just thinking about it now. It's like yeah, it's totally, very mindful. You're just focusing in that moment on what you're doing and you're not even thinking about it, like what you were saying with like yeah. there's all this like coordination you need to play an instrument and, you know, probably cognition too, but it, it, it's effortless. Like yes. It's just like, okay, we're, we're here, we're doing this. Well, sometimes I'll sit down and I'll practice something. Like I, I play a lot of guitar as well. Sometimes I'll, I'll practice a scale or I'll practice a run or a, or a picking technique or if I'm on the drum kit and I'm on my own 
I practice some rolls and some paradiddles and some rudiments that like I want to bed down. But once I start playing in, mm. in that environment with other musicians, all that goes totally out the window. I'm yeah. only focused on what the song's doing. And fitting in with the song. And fitting and in with the work. song. And yeah. so you kind of enter that meditative state where, you know, like there's there's this physical conscious thing that you have to do with you with your mechanics of your body. Yeah. But you, that's sort of running on autopilot. The the the, mm. the the thought is around what everyone else is doing and what it's bringing in together. And there's this connection when you play music with other people. That's it's a magical experience. Yeah, it is totally. And um, you know, so there's that for me. Plus, you know, it, 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 I've made some amazing friends and amazing connections yeah. out of it. That's um, you know, that that you know has been lifelong. You know, yeah. which is which is yeah. a really important thing for me. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. Think about all the cool people I've met. Just being able to go out and like, um, you know, listen to live music. That's another big thing. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, you were out to gigs a lot, hey? Yeah, I really enjoy it. Yeah. Just really love hearing that. Like, so what, 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 what do you love about being a music lover in a crowd then? Yeah, I just love, I actually really like um, just seeing the flow of the set and how different musicians approach it and, and how they kind of, whether they talk much to the crowd, what the interaction is like there, the interplay there, or... Yeah, like how they, you know, and some people don't very much at all. Um, and then and how they work together on stage, like if it's a band. Um, I just love kind of just sort of not knowing also what, what's coming up next and just, yeah, being a part of it, being a part of the, the audience is, is cool. Like, yeah. Yeah. Because you can, love it. it's really great when there's, a, when there's an energy coming off the stage yes. that the whole room or crowd kind of gets mixed up in mm. that's when the real magic happens yeah. at a live show yeah absolutely and it's like i mean i know that there's a lot that's captured like on video these days like this live streaming and that that's great so that more people can access it but it's something about being in the room there as well and that sort of energy and just seeing how how that interplay yeah Especially with those loud, loud rock band, we can actually feel the music too. Yeah, and the vibration. Yeah. <laughs> so I know Brisbane's pumping at the moment. So are you, are you still getting gigs, like regular gigs? Because it's yeah, in Newcastle, it's there's it's at some places, but it's kind of died a bit. Like it was pumping here in the nineties, but yeah, but, but Brisbane was like ridiculous when I went back there um a couple of months ago and it was just teeming with people and there was music everywhere and yeah it was i think it's starting to come back a bit like post covid that there's more going on more people going out um like i I haven't been out i moved back to brisbane from melbourne in march um so i can't sort of speak too much about what's happening in brisbane but yeah, I've been out a few times in, in Brisbane and there's definitely been crowds. Yeah, there's plenty on. There's lots of gigs on. Yeah, mm. yeah, there are. It's definitely coming back. So it's nice to see. Really cool. Well, we've got a special treat because <laughs> um, Emma's got a guitar oh. and I've asked her if she could play a song and she's agreed. So what a special treat. Do you want to play us a song? All right, I'll play a song. Oh, Which yeah. song are you playing? Um, I'm going to play one that's, um, that's a fairly recent one that I wrote. Um, it's, it hasn't actually been released, but it, 
I think it's going to be on the new album and um, it's called About You and it's... um. Do I know this one? I don't know if you do, actually. Oh, that's yeah. a treat for me. Here we go. I haven't heard it either. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I don't know uh, what to make of it at this point, but it's... Um, I guess it's about kind of like overcoming that sort of adrenaline rush that you get from whether it be addiction to, you know, in this case it was like, you know, unhealthy relationships um, or, you know, other people have addictions of different different kinds as well. So, yeah, it's about that anyway. Cool.
that's beautiful. That's amazing. What a voice you have. Oh, thank you so much. Well, Mel, I think that's the best ending we've ever had to our podcast. Yes, that's that was that was amazing, Emma. That was, it was just amazing. Glad yeah. <laughs> I chose a song that was relatively straightforward to play. <laughs> Sounded amazing. Hey, Emma, just quickly before you go, how can people hear your music? Oh, well. Come on, plug the band. On Spotify, you can hear it, um, June Low, and um, probably all the streaming platforms, um, Bandcamp and YouTube and all those kinds of places. Yeah. Yep. Got a Facebook page. Facebook, Instagram, yep. Got all the socials. And a new record coming out. Yeah, end of the year sometimes. It's been fun recording that, hasn't it? It has been. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. All right, well, Emma, thank you so much. It was, yeah, that was amazing. And such interesting stuff about music. I think that will, yeah, a lot of people out there will get what we're all saying. Yeah. Absolutely. Mel, what a special end to the show. What a great episode. Thanks, Emma. Thank you for having me. It's been Thanks, fun. everyone. Thanks for listening. Um, Let's catch up soon. Mel, it's good to see you as always. See you, Sean. And, yes, we'll get ready for the next one. Thanks, everyone. Bye.